seems to be everywhere else. Welcome to tonight. We'll turn to First John. First John. Last time, in looking at the privileges received by believers, we started with believers are the recipients of God's love. We looked at that last week. And this evening we look at believers are the recipients of God's life. In chapter 3 in First John and verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. That's what we looked at last week. That we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. And uh, because the world knows us not and doesn't know what we're about, it hates us. As you go to verse 15, and uh, talking to someone yesterday for at length about that, how the world hates the believer and what we stand for, and more so, even in our country, when we speak the truth, they don't like it, so they hate us. Praise God for his word. It's true. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that we have the love of God bestowed upon us and we have the life of God in us. And I pray that we might take advantage of that and live life to the fullest as you would have us to. Following your will, fulfilling your life in us. Lord, we live in your power to display yourself in this world and your, your truth and your word. Bless each one that's here and those that are listening in. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so we've read that verse, verse 1. Believers are recipients of God's love. Called, as it says there, the sons of God. There's somebody else called the sons of God. Other beings are called the sons of God. Can you remember them? Angels? <laughs> yeah, they were, the, the, the angels and the... The, all the sons of God rejoiced at creation. They were already created before the world was created. That, that tells us because they couldn't rejoice if they weren't there. And we don't know how long before. Nobody's been able to ever give me an answer on that one. But we are called the sons of God. We were brought into being by parents and by God's design and plan. And uh, then we were born again and we can be called the sons of God. There are Two Greek words translated sons or children. Paul, it's interesting what Paul used, how he used it and how John used it. Paul most times used the word which stresses the rights and responsibilities of the believer. That's Paul. As the sons of God, we've got rights and we've got responsibilities. And uh, the sermon Sunday night a month ago, privileges bring responsibilities. The privilege of being a son... It has responsibilities. You behave as a son. You don't want to get kicked out of home. Now, the Lord won't kick us out, but you know there's things we need to do as his sons. But there's the rights. Think of those. As a son of God, you have rights. Um, that's a wonderful thought. John, on the other hand, always used the word which stresses the believer's birth and regenerative relationship with the Lord. So birth... What is, a, what is a famous saying of John? Found in the Lord's discussion with a man who was a Pharisee, who was part of the Sanhedrin. Ye 
You must be born again. Yeah, birth. <laughs> Speaking of birth and regenerative relationship that we have with him. This life that we have and have been recipients of is undeserved by the person who believes. It wasn't earned. It's like when the Lord spoke of Israel, you weren't anyone special, you weren't greater than anyone else, you're the smallest of all people, but I chose you. <laughs> and uh, he knew we'd choose him and he chose us, as Peter tells us. Chapter 1, First Peter. Um, <clears throat> elect according to the foreknowledge of God. So this life is undeserved. His love is undeserved too. We don't deserve that, but he gave it to us. It's a wonderful thought when you dwell upon that. Like Peter said when he was caught out, he said, depart from me for I am a sinful man. <laughs> Even after he was born again, he said that, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. You're right, I'm wrong. And we have to put our hand up and say, yep, me too, I'm there, I'm one of those. First Timothy, First Timothy in chapter 1 and verse 12 to 17. We read, I thank, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, and that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I read this one just on the weekend. Who was also, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. We don't deserve the life of God. Paul says, I didn't, don't deserve the life of, life of God. And he said, and the, and the grace of our Lord, which it was exceedingly abundant in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then the saying, what he said, of whom I am chief. I, I don't deserve this life. For what I've done, my attitude, my heart attitude, my life before I saved, I don't deserve this. Um, <clears throat> the chief of sinners. That's the attitude the Lord wants us to have. Now, discussing yesterday with somebody about David and David's sins. And we maybe question what the Lord said. David's a man after mine own heart. And he said, oh, well, I have to figure that one out because of his sins that he committed, that he did, but... The key, and we come to the conclusion the key is that he repented and acknowledged his need. And we need to do that repent and acknowledge that we are sinful men. I don't deserve the life that I've got, it's e eternal. Talking to my sister this afternoon, just three or three and a half hours ago before I took off, and um, <clears throat> she said, So what about life? She's over it because they've got no more they can do for her and uh, the medication runs out in two years it's non-effective after two years so she said things down here aren't important just that it's eternity it's God you know you start focusing when you're about to leave and getting right with the Lord don't, don't deserve it but God has given it and praise him for it God has pardoned us and made us part of his family his children, sons of God. And if children, as Romans 8, 17 says, then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ and the life of Christ dwelleth in us and we will have that life for eternity. Job, 
Well, in, in passing Hebrews 7.25, he saves them to the uttermost. And as some preachers say, he saves them to the... Have you heard it? You have, surely. The guttermost. <laughs> and, and, I, and that flicks into my mind, and the pig got up and slowly walked away from the drunk who was in the gutter. <laughs> but he can save that person. That person is probably more closer to getting saved than a rich person with everything in the mansions. He acknowledges he's undeserving. But Job, this is what Job said about the life that God gives. And I don't think we, we measure up to Job's attitude and standard and all that happened to him. What would we do? How would we respond if everything, our children, everything we, we own and all the owl, cattle and the, the camels, everything taken away? He didn't curse God, did he? He didn't blame God. He, he didn't say, well, he just thought, oh, what's going on? <laughs> but here in Job 40 and verse 3 through to 5, we read this. <clears throat> then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? This is after God spoke to him, just back starting in chapter 38. He, he said, Yes. <clears throat> what shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer, yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. I'm not going to talk about that. I can't give an answer. I am vile. <laughs> he wasn't talking about all the boils all over his body. It just, this is my heart. He maybe thought some things he shouldn't have, and as we do, but we don't deserve the life of God. And he, <laughs> he laid his hand on his mouth. I'm not going to talk about it. And I've said before, someone that does that, can you remember who does that? I've noticed him do it when he gets serious about speaking about the Lord. He goes like that. You're not here. He's in Israel. Andrew does that. It's just, it's just something he does. And I notice it. And you have to listen to what he's saying. But he's in respect to speaking about the Lord and Job, speaking about his own life and how vile it was. But he said, I don't deserve it. None of us do. This life also is unappreciated by believer and unbeliever. We don't fully appreciate it. We don't appreciate what's going to be on the other side. We, we have some little glimpses, but we don't have a whole lot about what it's going to be like on the other side. <clears throat> Back in verse John 3, verse 1, that we should be called the children of God, therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Oh, sorry. Yes, there, there in that part of the verse. It's unappreciated by the world. The world doesn't know him. The world knows us not. It doesn't want to hear what we have to say about the Lord. Do unbelievers know who believers are? Well, they should because our behaviour should be different and they should see that. Um, <clears throat> in what way then do they, the unbelievers, not know believers and who we are? They, they don't, as we don't understand completely, don't comprehend completely what will be for the life of God that is in us, they don't understand that we are the sons of God. The world hates us. The world might treat us badly. The world will be antagonistic toward us. They don't appreciate the believer. 
And it's, it's interesting, in one of the news programs on um, Sky News, they went through the things that this world has benefited because of Christians. They did that on, on the, the radio, the, the TV. And they said, you know, we wouldn't have hospitals, we wouldn't have uh, education. We, and where, did, where did it all start, they said? It started in churches. Why, are the, why is the government treating the churches like they are? Why are they knocking them? Why are they trying to pin them down and saying what they believe they shouldn't, you know, about the uh, sodomite situation and that? And, and they say, these are the people that made the world what it is. Some people see it, <laughs> but not many unsafe people see that. They say the scientists did it. Yeah, but who were the scientists? Faraday, you know, electric, electricity. What? What? The, the light, the electricity. Someone's phone's ringing. Yes, I wonder who invented the phone. <laughs> but a lot of inventions have been brought about by God-fearing people who thought God's thoughts after him. And you, and you look at the names of things, and that's usually the name of the individual who invented those things. God gave them that ability. The life that we have is unappreciated by unbelievers as they look upon believers. They just say, you're a stick in the mud. You just need to get with it. You need to... You know, hip-hop and swing with them and go party with the world. No, but they don't appreciate Because us saying no, it's not right to do that, makes them feel guilty around you. Do you have you ever had a non-believer because they know you're a believer not do certain things when you're around? You see, they see and they don't, but they'd like to do it, but you're restricting them <laughs> just by your presence being with them. Praise the Lord. And, and, and we're that salt and we're the light that Matthew talks about in preserving the community. Um, <clears throat> John 1.10 says, He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. All of us didn't know him. But we have this life. We've come upon the truth. And I pray that we appreciate the life we have in the Lord. Often our complaints as Christians because we're not content with what we've got we want more than what we've got <laughs> and uh, what more do you want like my sister said what what, what more hmm? you know great house mini farm all the things but so what so what someone said of someone that's got a lot of things and a lot of money they said are they enjoying it <laughs> do they appreciate it as Christians we should appreciate it because we have life that's eternal um, <clears throat> yes in um, another reference 1 John 3.13 just over the page marvel not my brethren if the world hates you I knew it was going to come up <laughs> if the world hates you because of your stand you're shining a light on their dark behaviour and they get angry more today than ever, as you see with this gender business. That uh, they get angry and that you won't go along with them. You won't say, yes, yes, it's all okay. No. And, and preachers and churches, well, preachers in quotes, are going along with it. It's madness. It's, it's really crazy. In John chapter 15 and verse 18, it says this, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Why did the world hate the Lord Jesus? Now, the world was the Pharisees, wasn't it? The religious people. 
because he told the truth, he exposed their life, their lies, their attitude, and they got they got really, really upset to the point of killing him. If you if ye were of the world, the world would love its own. But because we have life in the Lord Jesus Christ and we appreciate that life, they don't, the unsaved don't appreciate it, they don't like what we are. But because ye are not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will persecute also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. Hmm. <clears throat> if there's no fellowship or relationship, this one, I'll, write it, I'll read the underline here. If there is no relationship problems between you and the world, and if there is fellowship between you and the world, there's something wrong with the life you're supposed to have. <laughs> And if you can get along fine with unsaved people and you can and you're not an offense to them and you're not a light to them, there's something really wrong if you say you're a Christian and that's going on. You know, you, I, I don't mean to go out there and just stir up strife and tell them they're you know going to hell and but they'll they will pick it up and they won't like what you say. This life is unappreciated by unbelievers. The life we have they don't appreciate. This life also is unappropriated by most people. Isn't that true? What does it say in Romans chapter 7? This wise man and the foolish man, they built their houses. Enter in, and it says, Few be there that few be, there be that find it. In chapter 7 of Matthew, verse 13, Enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in that way. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. And as I've said recently, that they are the ones who come to the under, age of understanding. There's right and there's wrong, there's sin and there's, there's God's love. And they say, no, don't want that narrow way. And they, few there be that find it. This life is unappropriated by most people, but all people can be saved. Isn't that true? That's, is that a scriptural statement? Yes, it is. Because it says it in Timothy, it says it in First John chapter 2, verse 2. And uh, they don't. Like... Noah's day. How many people appropriated the life that God was going to give them? How many souls got in the ark? Eight souls, all told, out of the millions and probably billions of people that were on planet Earth. Unappropriated. Here is life abundant and free. Here is life eternal. Here is life that you know is wonderful in, in reading the word of God. Yet people don't want it. Don't, don't appropriate it. And, and is it hard? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth on him. But as many as received him, John 1.12, the Philippian jailer, was it? Acts 16, says, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. 
And he now commands all men everywhere to repent. Is it, is it hard? No. It's easy to be appropriated because someone else has done the work for us. This life is in his son. <clears throat> Noah's day, there was eight people that appropriated the word. In um, Moses' day, when the command was to go and take the land, the spies come back, two men appropriated the word. We can do it. We can go in. The multitudes didn't believe. In Daniel's day, there was Daniel and his three friends. But it, it, it indicates that everybody else, all the people that were Jews captive in Babylon, bowed that day to the image Nebuchadnezzar had made. Unappropriated truth. They knew the truth as Daniel and them. They knew the truth as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, but they didn't appropriate it. In Jer's, What about in Jeremiah's day? Who appropriated the life of God that could have been theirs? Basically no one. That's what I put down. Nobody. And when he said the, about the life of God, don't go down to Egypt. Don't do this. They chose the very opposite. Isn't the world doing that today? Choosing the very opposite to the life that is offered by the Lord Jesus in this time, this terrible time in the world when things are going like they are and they don't appropriate.